Welcome to another Rural Realities Podcast, presented by the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection. On this episode of the Rural Realities Podcast, we're talking about relationships. Yes, you're right. That's a really big topic. We're going to break it down and talk about relationships on our family farms. We have so many interactions every day on our farms with family and non-family members. Farmers may work with parents, grandparents, is this sounding familiar, siblings, a spouse, niece, nephew, a cousin, and I'm sure I missed a few. I'm Karen Endress, Farmer Wellness Program Coordinator for the Wisconsin Farm Center. Before we kick this off, I just want to share that in the USDA's 2017 Census of Agriculture Farm Typology Report, they identified that 96% of all U.S. farms are family-owned. Families farm 87% of the land that's in farms and 82% of the value of all agricultural products sold are coming from family farms. So this is going to resonate with a lot of you out there that are farming. Joining me today is Monica McConkey, born and raised on a farm, and now a rural mental health specialist. Monica knows about this topic firsthand. So I'm excited to have her today to talk about relationships, to talk about farm stress and its impact on relationships, and to discuss a little bit of the stigma around mental health. Welcome, Monica. Thank you, Karen. It's so great to be here with you all today. Great. And we're happy to have you. And let's start off by if you could just Tell me a little bit and tell our audience about yourself and what you do. Sure. So as you already said, I grew up on a farm in northwestern Minnesota and uh, was active in 4-H and FFA and, and active participant in all areas of farm work. Um, our farm is currently uh, a fifth-generation farm. We're a century farm in 2015. And my middle son actually is the fifth generation. He works with my brother and my parents. So still very um, tied into the farm. After graduation, I got degrees in psychology and counseling. And for the past, this will date me and age me, for the past 28 years, I have been uh, working in the mental health field in a variety of roles. Uh, my favorite, however, is the work that I started doing in 2019 when I was able to uh, go into private practice and I do um, counseling, coaching, and uh, consulting in the area of rural mental health with a focus on mental health and agriculture. Um, so the, my, the majority of my work is through a contract with the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, and I work with farmers and ranchers um, throughout Minnesota on a variety of issues that we'll be talking about today. Excellent. And when I said firsthand, I really meant it. You live and breathe this every day. So I think it's going to be a great conversation. And myself too, my husband farms with his two brothers and their families. We have a niece and a nephew on the farm. And so they are working together with family and employees. And so both of us understand how challenging mm -hmm. sometimes uh, these relationships can be. I want to start off by asking you, 
when you're meeting with farmers and they're under the stress of just as we all are, everyday farming, everyday life, what are your tips to help them manage that farm stress? You know, when I first um, get a call or, or meet with a farmer, I, I kind of, you know, we talk about what's going on and how stress is impacting them. And it, it impacts um, people in different ways, but there are definitely some common threads. And one being sleep and the toll that stress takes on their physical self. So one of the first things we talk about is let's put some things in place so you are taking care of your physical self. And that may seem really almost insignificant um, because they're dealing with such big, impactful issues, many of which are out of their control. But taking care of yourself is within your control. So simple things like up your water intake. Um, let's really work on sleep. Are you taking your medication as prescribed? Are you seeing the doctor when you need to? And all of these things may not change the actual dynamics that are impacting you, like the weather. We're having a late spring up here. You know, drinking more water isn't going to fix that but it's going to position you to be better able to deal with life and the stressor life throws at you. So that's one of the first things we, we talk about is like, what kind of small steps can we take to get, get your, your physical self-care um, in, a, in a bit of a better place? We all could use more sleep, right? I think when spring gets busy or summer we do all of our farm work and then we try to also do our family time and it gets so extended and we just get exhausted and making those decisions yeah. when you're exhausted and then your body's not feeling well. So those are some really good tips. I'm excited to hear what's next. Yeah. And you cut, you kind of let into it with the, we try to make those decisions when we're exhausted. So the, the next Thing we really focus on is all about our thinking and understanding um, that the, we have thousands and thousands of thoughts that run through our mind every time. The thoughts we grab onto and continue to allow to roll around in our head is going to greatly impact how we feel. And so tuning into, okay, is what I'm thinking about helpful? Or is it not helpful? Is my mind five years in the past kicking myself for not buying a piece of property and or selling something or I should have done this or I shouldn't have done this? You can't change that right now. That's a thought that needs to be made peace with and let go and maybe forgive yourself and move forward. Um, we tend to hold on to thoughts that are not helpful, that impact how we feel in a negative way. And it's really important that we start to address that. And that's much of the work I do in counseling is around what am I spending my time thinking about? And are those thoughts helpful or unhelpful? If they're not helpful, how can we reframe them or distract ourselves from them or slow down that that obsessive or intrusive thinking that 
just often takes over when we're in times of stress. That's awesome. And I like to say the same thing. I'm a track and field coach. My athletes are all caught up about their last event they just competed in or the meet from a week earlier and they didn't get, they didn't perform how they wanted to. And I try to bring them back into control. Can we control Mm -hmm. what happened last week? We can't. It's done. So sitting and thinking about that race or how you wish you would have done better or something or how you wish you could have changed one thing, it's not going to help us. So And so I said, wherever you are right now in the moment, whether as an athlete, you're in your warmup, you can control if you are getting properly prepared. If you're in the morning having breakfast, you can control what you put in. If they come to me and they're like, coach, I'm not hydrated. I can't change that they didn't hydrate coming in. All I can give them Mm -hmm. is some tips of what they can control at that moment and focus on that. Sometimes we like to think about the future, right? Like what's my corn going to yield? Or am I going to, when in three weeks do I get to harvest hay or I'm running out of feed now? We can't control that, but you can control where you're at right now. So look at what changes and things you can make in your business today that you have control over because otherwise it can just mount to such, like you said, such high stress level and there's nothing we can do. Yes, exactly. And that leads into kind of my third and final tip um, for managing stress is when we are worried. So when we're worried, that is really that forward thinking and I call it's called anticipatory anxiety. When we are worried, that is emotion. And so we're sitting in this place of emotion, not um, moving forward, not in a problem-solving frame of mind, and it's a very stuck feeling. And so one of the things that I work on with my farmers is, okay, let's take that worry, let's take that anxiety and turn it into some type of action plan. And the focus then can be on that action plan versus on what you're worried about might be happening. So for instance, in the, in this springtime, this season where many farmers up here are just now really getting going planting. So it's a bit late. There was a lot of anxiety in thinking about when are we going to get into the field? Are we going to have enough time? We're up against, you know, planting deadlines with insurance and all the things. And so our, our goal then is let's refocus on like what you said, Karen, what do we control in this situation? We control getting everything ordered and on the farm, our seed, our fertilizer, we control lining up. If we have people coming out to do work for us, like spraying fertilizer, get them lined up. We have control over making a plan to get all of our equipment ready and up and running, making sure we have extra parts on hand in case of breakdowns. So let's put our focus on those things that we control instead of being stuck in this place of worry that we can't do anything about. That is great. And what three things, 
three things that you shared that we can really do, taking care of our physical self, letting go of things we can't control or we can't change, and creating an action plan. I can't think of three better things. And like you said, they seem simple, but they really make a difference. Yes, exactly. And it needs to be intentional because it just doesn't happen naturally and it often goes against our like how we typically function and so it's I tell people like changing your thought process and and your habits is like rerouting a river a river has cut a path over you know decades and decades and decades and so to all of a sudden put up a dam and reroute a river it's pretty messy right there's water all over and the dam breaks down and you have to rebuild it and um you know it it takes work and intentionality and time so don't you know don't be hard on yourself if you tried it and it didn't work it's a journey That's right. It is a journey. And I love that analogy of the river because I can visualize that. Some of us are visual learners, even though we're listening to this. And I could visualize Mm -hmm. that and, and see how messy it is and know when our brains get into, you know, fight or flight, it's hard and we need to put in the work to do those simple steps. They seem simple, but they do require that work. Well, I'm sure... In all of the farmers you get to talk to and that you see all the farm stress really breaking down relationships within the family. Mm. And when we break down those relationships, it not only obviously hurts our family, but it, it can hurt our farm businesses. So when stress is causing relationship challenges, whether it be husband and wife, parent and child, how do you recommend they start to work on this? Where do you begin? Oh, that's such a good question. And and I will tell you, the majority of my calls from farmers, ranchers, farm family members, spouses, is around this topic, is around relationships with each other on the family farm or in their marriage. So there are, there are three things that I start with just, just because it's so big and often so conflictual and so emotional and there's so much history that it's hard to just find that first step. And so the, the first thing I talk with um, people about either in a group or individually is the importance of calm. In our brains, we have this emotional center. And when that's firing, it's actually got a name. It's called the amygdala hijack. The amygdala is the emotional center. And when that fires, it hijacks or shuts down or diminishes our ability to think, to be rational, to problem solve. And you you just can picture these conversations with people that you work with or live with and how quickly they get emotionally tense. And then nothing good typically comes from conversations that include really intense emotion. And so it's important 
that you start with yourself and recognize when that emotion is getting big within you, realize that when that emotion takes over, you're not going to be able to think clearly, process, make decisions, problem solve, all that will be diminished. So how do you seek calm? How do you get yourself into a calm and rational state of mind? And it different things work for different people. Sometimes it's taking some slow, deep breaths. Sometimes it's going for a walk. Sometimes it's entering the conversation uh, very prepared, like almost like a scheduled meeting. We're not just going to talk about this whenever, wherever. It's going to be um, more structured than that. So first thing is calm. That's awesome. And when I see... When I see that calm, it's a great tip because I know with our families, we know that they'll always love us, right? So sometimes Mm -hmm. we even, more than even in any other work or public situation, we let ourselves Mm -hmm. get out of calm and address Mm -hmm. because we know it's a, it's a, safe place, right? And so because we feel it's a safe place, we don't put our emotions in check, as I like to say, and don't get to that calm. So I really appreciate step one. What is what is the second thing? So the second thing I kind of alluded to in step one is that is realizing you only have control over yourself. You can only change yourself. And a lot of times we spend much of our mental, emotional energy into wanting or trying to force or setting things up so other people will change. Like, I need to make them understand they've got to stop doing what they're doing. In reality, that is going to be their choice. So we've got to really pay attention to, we can change, we're in control only of ourselves, of our responses, of our emotions, of our thoughts. And so once you realize that, it kind of um, can lead you to look at the situation very differently and make decisions very differently, knowing, you know what, that person may never change. That person may always be the way they are how then am I going to deal with that what is my response going to be what is my decision going to be knowing that I'm not changing them they are the way they are Um, and sometimes it can be freeing to think about things in those terms and sometimes it can be really frustrating because it means letting go like we need to let go of this battle we've been fighting because we're, we need to realize that our efforts need to go into ourselves, not into changing other people. That's really interesting. And I hadn't thought about it like that. And it almost, as you think about that, it gives, it gives you back some control because you've now mm-hmm. really just come to terms with just taking care of, you know, yourself and your thoughts Mm -hmm. and preparing for those maybe difficult conversations or other things, knowing that you're not going to control how that person reacts. And you, if they're family, especially, you probably know their tendencies, but just Mm -hmm. even modeling that for 
our family members, for our children is really mm-hmm. big and can set everybody up for better interactions and more success in those conversations. Yeah, agreed. And another piece of that is many times in families, you know, we know where each other's buttons are to push. And so if we are reacting to our buttons being pushed, you know what, there are buttons. And so if we don't want people to push them, we need to really look at what is that button all about for me? And why uh, am I allowing it to be pushed? Why am I putting it out there? And we need to own that instead of you always push my buttons. It's like, well, own your buttons. <laughs> so that that kind of ties into this. Like we have control over ourselves. We we have control over our responses and our reactions. That's great. And being a mom of three girls, that's, that's my new <laughs> phrase, own your buttons. Because they know how to push each other. So that, I love that. I'm going, I'm taking that one. And, and yes, own your buttons. (laughs) Own your buttons. (laughs) And then um, the third one is really active listening. And this sounds simple, but it rarely happens, especially in relationships where there's conflict. And when I'm when I'm talking about active listening, basically bottom line, what I mean is listen to each other to hear, don't listen to respond. So many times when we are in a conversation with someone, we immediately are in our mind formulating our answer, mounting our defense, figuring out how to deflect blame, and we're, we're not hearing a word that that person is saying. And so active listening is really all about listening to them, to hear them, summarizing back to them what they said doesn't mean you're agreeing. It means, is this, is this what I'm hearing you say? Is, am I understanding it correctly? And that serves a couple of purposes. One, it really can lessen people's defenses. Because when we have been in a pattern of every interaction we have becomes conflictual, wow, what a difference it would make if all of a sudden one person just started hearing and listening and was not formulating their response or on the defensive. And number two, it can help better understand where that person is coming from. And many times, if we can look with empathy at where the other person is coming from, it increases our understanding and helps us to tackle issues in a way where, you know what, let's negotiate, let's collaborate, let's meet in the middle instead of it having to be yes or no, my way or your way, A or B, like the answer is typically somewhere in the middle. But when we're not hearing each other or hearing how that person feels or their understanding of the issue, it's awfully hard to land on a compromise. So that's that's kind of the third thing that I try to help families or couples work on is let's just hear each other. And especially in um, transition 
situations where farm is transitioning or trying to transition from one generation to the next, there's often so much contention between the, the older generation and the younger incoming generation that um, they just don't hear each other. They, there's generational differences. There's differences in knowledge and experience and just stage of life. So pure disconnect um, until we can really hear and understand where the other person is coming from. So active listening would be my third um, little, I guess, tool or tip when it comes to where to start in relationships. That is awesome. And I think just listening to how you describe it, I feel like I can go into some conversations, whether they be at work or at home, with just a little new tool in the toolbox. I can get better on the importance of calm when I, you know, when I get super agitated or disturbed. And a lot of times it's because I haven't, let's go back to that first one, didn't get enough sleep. Um, But just to really think about getting in that calm, even if you have to step away and come back in 30 minutes, I have to go take care of myself and then I'll come back and it'll be a much more productive conversation. Um, But those are three, three great things that I'm taking away is that importance of calm, that I only have control over myself and that active listening, which we always all can improve on. Um, whether it be at work, at the farm, or even in our families, um, just really listening. And sometimes I know I need to, with with my family, just sit back. And I, I love that tip of repeating what you understood from mm-hmm. what they were saying, because I think that does make someone feel heard. And then it mm-hmm. also gives you them the opportunity to say, okay, now I'm going to listen to what I'm saying and they can say it back and then find that middle ground. So. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And if you don't get it right, if you're, if you're thinking you heard something, it gives them the opportunity to clarify, like, no, that's not exactly what I meant. This is what I meant. And gives us all an opportunity to make sure we're in that calm. Because sometimes as they're talking, we might be getting out of our calm state. So listening, repeating back can put us back into just a better state of mind. So thank you for sharing those three things. And they're really things that we can all take and implement pretty quickly, but they do take practice. On our next topic, a lot of negative and unfair beliefs I feel, and I think you feel the same, are really associated with mental health. And I know you've made it your mission to try to increase access and remove the stigma attached to mental health and the services, especially in those rural and underserved areas. Because of the stigma, it often stops us from seeking care for our emotional health. And I always like to tell people, when they call and talk to me, that's such a big step. And they look Mm -hmm. at it, we just got to look at it the same as if we broke a bone and Mm -hmm. right, because there's nothing negative when you have a broken bone or a sprain or a contusion, there's nothing negative about seeking medical treatment. So I always find it really interesting that we have such unfair and negative beliefs about 
for ourselves and others seeking help for our mind and our emotions. So curious from your perspective, um, how, how are you working to improve this and what can we do? How can we try to break down these negative and unfair beliefs around our mental health? Great question. And I think um, what we're doing right here, right now, is one of the things. Um, having just very open communication around mental health, what it is, how it impacts us, um, working to equate it in a sense to our physical health. Like we are very open to seeking help for, well, usually open, some farmers not so open, they'll work with a broken bone for, but that's another issue. Yeah, typically we're more open to seeking help for our physical health. And we're definitely typically more open to talking about our physical health. Um, with others, friends, family, you know, in in social settings. Um, So the goal would be that we can talk about our our mental and emotional health with the same ease that we talk about and get treatment for our physical health. And part of that is really seeing it like we're we're not – we can't separate our brain health from the rest of our body. We are all one person and it all works together. There are such amazing connections between stress and chronic disease and lack of sleep and sickness and worry and lack of sleep. It is all tied together. So we, I, I was just working with um, one of my clients the other day, and she was having intense headaches to the point that they were like doing MRIs, thinking she had a brain tumor and all these things. And I just said to her, with all of the stressors you are undergoing right now and all the life changes, my, my guess as your counselor is that this is a reaction to stress. And it was, every test came back negative. Uh, And as soon as she was in a place where she was able to calm and relax and kind of refocus, the symptoms really were alleviated. So I think understanding that we cannot separate our mental and emotional health from our physical health. They They are tied together in very, in a very tight knit way. That is also important in addressing stigma and understanding that this is this is who we are and you know what, we take medication for this and it helps us with this and it's all part of the discussion. So, um, and then the other thing is also what we're doing here is embedding these conversations into the egg sector. So no longer do conversations around mental health and suicide and stress only lie with mental health or behavioral health providers or healthcare providers. We are seeing these webinars done for um, dairy industry people, crop insurance salesmen, agronomists, you know, across the board, the soybean council. We are embracing conversations around stress and mental health 
in the larger egg sector. And I think that is playing a huge role in attacking the stigma. Um, when you have organizations like Farm Bureau and Farmers Union really embracing and supporting efforts, um, it, it means a lot because these are trusted entities by farmers and, and farm families. And so when we're able to really empower them and make ourselves as counselors available to do trainings and podcasts and webinars within the larger egg sector, um, it really goes a long way to attacking that stigma. Those are some great points. And I think, too, as we, as I get to work in this every day, I know, too, letting farmers know that we have identified specialists that know mm -hmm. how to work with farmers, that understand our whole culture of farming, because we are a little unique. We have our own culture from the general population. And so I think knowing that they're going to come to someone that has an understanding about what they're going through, that can provide that empathy, that's walked a day um, in similar mm -hmm. shoes um, in our family farms. I think that too just helps them to know we're going to get you to someone that you don't have to explain life on a farm. Mm -hmm. Talking about what you're experiencing and they're going to give you some, some tools and tricks just like you have today that we can take everything you shared today back to our farms and implement with ourselves. And so I think that's really important. And I know, you know, it's so easy with farmers. They don't like to take a day off anyway. Yep. That sometimes emotional health, like they just allow themselves, whether it be an extra hour over the lunch hour or to tell whoever they're farming with to take a day off or a half a day mm -hmm. off because they need to take care of their brain as well. And I hope, and it's okay to say, guess what? I'm not in a good place today. I don't feel like I'm going to make good decisions. I need to take a brain break. Yes. And wouldn't that yes. be a great place to get to? Because we run really complicated businesses and we all do it because we love the land, we love the animals, we love making food for the world, but we have to take care of ourselves in order to do that. Absolutely, yes. Well, this has been a really great conversation, and most importantly, I love those takeaways. But I'm going to challenge you um, for one main takeaway today. So as you think about our conversation today, where we talked about farm stress and relationships and the stigma associated with mental health, if you can leave our listeners with one message, what would you like to share today? Hmm. Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, you know, I, I would say that it's important to know that these changes do not come easily or naturally. And so just like the intention that we put into our every day on the farm or, or at our off-farm jobs, into our parenting, whatever we do in life, we put intention into that or things wouldn't be done, right? We wouldn't 
we wouldn't be moving in the direction we're moving. The same intentionality needs to be put into our mental wellness, into managing our stress, into working on our relationships, because it doesn't just happen by itself. So I just encourage everybody to kind of think about a plan. And if you're feeling really stuck, call someone and ask for help. And it, it doesn't have to be a counselor. It can be a, a pastor, a priest, or a trusted mentor, um, you know, someone that is able to hear you and give you some guidance. Um, so, yeah, I guess that would be my, my closing um, overall thought. That is great. And I really like the word intention. And so I'm going to close with that is to, to take that intention and to make that plan. If you listen to this and you need to re-listen and catch those three easy steps um, that were in helping with farm stress, helping with relationships, go for it. Write them down. Put them on a post-it note. Whatever it takes and do it with intention. So thank you so much, Monica, for joining us today and sharing all these amazing tips and tricks to help us and to help us in our farm businesses so that we can fulfill our mission of taking care of our land and the natural resources and feeding the world. Have a great day. Thank you, Karen. The Wisconsin Farm Center with the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection provides a variety of services to farmers and farm families across Wisconsin, including financial consulting, transition planning, conflict mediation, veterinary diagnostic analysis, a farmer wellness program, and more. For additional info, you can call the Wisconsin Farm Center toll-free at 1-800-942-2474 or email them farmcenter at wisconsin.gov. Also, the website address is datcp.wi.gov. Also, if you're experiencing depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, or just need a welcoming ear to talk to, call the free and confidential 24-7 Wisconsin Farmer Wellness Helpline at 888-901-2558 to talk with a stress counselor anytime. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Rural Realities Podcast.